This is Chris Naka. You know me from the credits of this podcast. But one thing you might not know about me is that I do not like bugs. I'm talking about spiders, centipedes, animals with more than four legs, animals that squirm, and especially animals with sharp stingers and powerful neurotoxins. I'm scared of them all. I recorded the audio you're hearing three years ago on the first night of an Atlas Obscura trip into the Amazon rainforest in Peru. And I was doing something that I never thought I'd do. Heading out into the jungle with a small group of people at night and intentionally trying to encounter bugs. The big oh, ugly one. Fine. Don't touch. No, but the roots are amazing. Root. Oh, wow. Come around on the side and see the big ass spider. That's a good looking spider. Nice. Gnarly. Okay, everybody's got a camera move out of the way. Holy moly. The reaction you just heard was people in the group coming across a spider about the size of my palm, and it was carrying a dead insect in its fang-tipped jaws. Is he feeding under here? Oh yeah, he's got something. Oh yeah, he got something. Oh, okay. come, come, come around this way, guys. So come, it looks like he's got a... Absolutely. Those of you who've gotten a look, if you, uh, yeah. oh, rotate yeah. through so others can come by. You can come around. What the f- I'm Chris Naka, and this is Atlas Obscura a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going down the Tambopata River, into the jungle, and heading out on a series of headlamp-lit nighttime hikes. Along the way, we'll meet bullet ants, wandering spiders, and you'll find out how this trip cured me of my bug phobia once and for all. Yeah, this is a huntsman spider. I'm not sure what he has. I can't get a good look at it. All that and more after this. It's not a good way to go, that's all I know. It's like, not a good way to go. Hey, having your insides everybody's, digested. Everybody's yeah, got to eat you guys. System. You know, a mosquito will shove its will shove its hypodermic proboscis through a shirt. Right. But, yeah. And so that's really that's, that's when you over the shirt. Right. Yeah. So you asked what we were all afraid of, and the real so answer I almost for me came is with the full things going in my ears. Right. That I knew, or at least I knew Correct. the water. No, but it's like the creatures, and it's just like that's like my worst nightmare. And I work with a doctor, and I was telling him about this phobia, and he's like, "Oh no, that's a real thing. Like I had to pull all these cockroaches out of people's ears." Oh, I was like, "Don't get any more real than that." And that's how I came to purchase this. That's my wife, Aiden, and the item she purchased for this trip is one of those wide-brim hats with a net attached that you can pull down and cover your entire head and keep insects off of you. Aiden has holes in both her eardrums. She wears hearing aids, and like she said, her biggest fear is having a bug crawl into her head because, you know, she doesn't have anything there to stop it. I was invited on this trip to shoot promotional videos for Atlas Obscura. So that's where all the audio comes from. I was terrified when I first learned of these night hikes, and the fear doubled down when I was told that documenting them was one of the big reasons they wanted to send me on this trip. And I like to do a good job, so here we were, four hours down the Tambopata River, pulling on rubber waders, applying enough DEET to repel a bear, and trekking out into the jungle on our first night hike. 
Everybody, everybody getting close. Can you hear me? That's Jason Goldman, science journalist, wildlife reporter, and one of our guides for the trip. I, I imagine, unless you've been out here in the tropics before in the jungle, you've probably never really experienced true darkness. Oh. Um, Are you going to make us turn all So in a moment, uh, I'd like to ask everyone to um, turn, off, turn off your headlamps and whatever else might be glowing, cell phones, flashlights. Just look around and think what it must have been like to live in this place and not have artificial light and uh, what, what, how, how terrifying it must have been at night in a place like this. So uh, everyone who still has a light on, turn them off. We'll spend like a minute just kind of listening. I wish I could sit here and tell you that this was a magical moment for me. Uh, but in reality, I was freaking out. Silently. I've only ever lived in large cities. Chicago and then New York. So... Complete darkness is not something I experience on a daily basis. And when I have traveled to places with less light pollution, they've never had all these other things to worry about. Like, how am I going to see the bugs approaching if I don't have my headlight on? This minute felt like an hour. Imagine all the animals that adapted for nocturnal lifestyle out here had to find a way to communicate to mate, to raise their offspring, to uh, find food, and to escape from becoming food without, without the use of a vision. Cool. Shall we? Lights on, facing down, so you don't blind anyone. Might be a little more impactful if we couldn't hear everybody getting drunk at the bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Jason led us deeper into the jungle, and I kept thinking about the ground rules he laid out before we embarked on our first hike. Bring plenty of water with you, because there won't be any in the jungle. Don't wander off alone. Don't touch anything without a guide giving you a thumbs up. And most importantly, if you see a railing or rope going down the trail, hands off. They're not for you, they're for bullet ants and wandering spiders. Bullet ants are pretty easy to explain. They're a large ant, by New York standards at least, and they possess one of the most painful stings in the world. Supposedly, getting stung by a bullet ant feels comparable to getting shot, hence the name. I wasn't super worried about bullet ants and kind of morbidly curious about getting bit by one. I don't want to be shot, uh, but a dark corner of my brain convinced me that this would be a safe way to have that experience. Wandering spiders are a whole other kind of nightmare. That is unbelievable. Look at that thing. I'm trying not to. I'm scared of spiders. I'm looking with the camera. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Not ideal for me to end up with a job that put me eight feet away from a wandering spider and only inches away if I'm looking through the camera's viewfinder. Jason had explained that the Brazilian wandering spider species in this jungle were one of the only things we really needed to be concerned about. They're called wandering spiders because they wander the jungle floor at night instead of making a web or hiding out in a den. And these spiders have absolutely no chill. 
Jason described their temperament as missing the flight part of the fight or flight response. They are all fight, and that's particularly bad because they're one of the few species of spiders who can deliver a lethal dose of venom to a human. The spider I had my camera pointed at was about the size of a dinner plate and stuck to the side of a tree. The more that we talk about that, the more nervous I am how close you are to it. Can it jump onto you? Yeah, it can away. jump pretty far. Fun fact, one of the effects a wandering spider's venom can have on a human is priapism, which, if you don't know what that means, it's a long, sustained, sometimes painful erection. And then maybe you die. You know, if you can't get to a hospital and get the appropriate anti-venom into your system fast enough. So the whole time I'm filming the spider, I'm thinking of the most embarrassing and urgent helicopter ride of my life. Trying to get into a major city, possibly dying, and all while having an uncontrollable, possibly painful erection. Guys, on your left is another wandering spider on this branch. Please point it out as you pass. Wandering spider, right there. We actually saw a lot of wandering spiders on our first hike. And you know what happened? Nothing. We gave them their space and they returned the favor. So I was feeling pretty confident when Aiden and I finished the hike and returned to our room. We stepped in, turned on the lights, and discovered that things weren't exactly as we left them. Now, it's important to know what our rooms were like on this trip. They were large wooden lodges elevated off the jungle floor on stilts and subdivided into separate smaller rooms. Rooms that were very open to the elements because they only had three walls. The fourth was non-existent. No windows, no bug net, no screen, just jungle. So while we were out, a bunch of massive horned beetles climbed up the mosquito net over our bed and at least a dozen cockroaches had taken up residence in the bathroom. If this was my apartment in New York, I would have worked up the courage to smash the cockroaches with a shoe, but there were so many of them here, it just felt wrong to kill them. So I didn't. Because what was I going to do, kill every cockroach in the rainforest? That felt a lot different than killing one cockroach in my apartment. So we just went to bed. I woke up the next morning, shimmied out from under the mosquito net, and was about to step out of bed when I noticed what looked like confetti all over the floor. And it was actually all over everything. Countless little gray triangles about half the size of a fingernail lightly blanketed the room. It was on the floor, the sink, the toilet, all of our bags, and all of my camera equipment. I swept a bunch of the confetti into my hand and immediately noticed two things. One, it was impossibly lightweight, and two, every piece was covered in a very fine dust. I carried this handful to breakfast and confronted Jason. He looked at what I was holding and nonchalantly said, Oh, those are moth wings. Right, moth wings. So how did hundreds, if not thousands, of moth wings end up in our room? And Jason explained, because the bats only eat their bodies. It's incredible how precisely they've adapted to hunt their prey. So last night, while we slept, there were bats in our room, massacring what looked like an impossible number of moths, who had also filled our room at some point. 
And this is when my brain started to unravel any thoughts I had about there being any difference between man-made and natural spaces. Just because my apartment has four walls doesn't mean the cockroaches, spiders, and house centipedes in Brooklyn view it any differently than any other space. It's all the same to them, and it should be all the same to me. We're just doing our best, looking for resources, and trying to survive another day. It'd be a real bummer to kill something that's just trying to get by. I kind of lied when I introduced this episode. I said the trip cured me of my bug phobia once and for all, but that's not entirely true. I'm still afraid of bugs, but spending seven days in the jungle gave me a better perspective on things. By the end of the trip, Aiden and I found ourselves gently talking to the cockroaches in our bathroom every night. Excuse me, Mr. Cockroach, you're not supposed to be here. Please get off my glasses. I'd really like to put them on. And then we'd pretend they understood us whenever they eventually complied. I still smash cockroaches. I can't help it. I'm just not afraid to encounter them anymore. But I don't smash spiders or house centipedes. And to me, that's progress. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. Our production team includes... Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is... Casey Holford. This episode was produced and sound designed by me, and mixed by... Luce Fleming. And I'm Chris Naka, once again disappearing into the ether. <laughs>